Welcome to Faith and Freedom. We hope to inform, inspire, and encourage you to stand up for faith and freedom as we discuss victories and challenges in the courts, in public policy, and in the culture. Faith and Freedom is brought to you by Liberty Council, a litigation, education, and policy organization. Join us now as we address the latest cultural issues across America and around the world. The best way to control a people is to reinvent history and certainly to trash our past. And we're going to be talking with Tim Gagline, the author of Toward a More Perfect Union. The chapter title of his second chapter is Trashing Our Past, and we're going to see the consequences of what happens when you distort history. I'm Matt Staver, founder and chairman of Liberty Council. Joining me here on Faith and Freedom is Holly Mead, and our very special guest is Tim Gagline. He is the vice president of government relations with the focus on the family in Washington, D.C. Welcome to Faith and Freedom, Tim. Matt, thank you. Holly, it's great to be to be with both of you. You know, Tim, we talked about the uh, first chapter of your book about the facts uh, and that the lack of history, particularly the change of the lack of history in terms of how unpatriotic college can make students mm -hmm. compared to where they are in high school, and even high school, frankly, uh, but it's even worse as you go up into the higher education. But in chapter two of your book, you have it titled, Trashing Our Pass. You have a quote that you begin that chapter, and it says, with each passing year in the classroom, I become more convinced that there is no such thing as neutral teaching. What's this chapter about? Why did you write the book? Well, this chapter uh, is really, in many ways, uh, <clears throat> the hinge of, of my book, uh, because what I uh, set out in Toward a More Perfect Union uh, is to actually show the practical ramification uh, of erasure culture, of wokeism, uh, of the propagandization of the rising generation of young Americans, which begins as early as preschool and kindergarten and continues apace all the way up to and including uh, our so-called higher education. And I want to use just one example, if I may, in the trashing of America and Western civilization. You know, there are a number of people uh, who are listening today uh, who are of a, of a particular generation, you know, the baby boom generation and beyond. Uh, but they may not fully, completely internalize or realize uh, just what erasure culture has, has done in a practical sense. Just in the last few years, uh, Matt and Holly, we have actually seen uh, a very proactive, uh, a confident movement to erase uh, George Washington, to mm, yeah. erase Thomas Jefferson, to erase Abraham Lincoln, to erase Winston Churchill. Uh, I was speaking at a very well-known uh, university about a year and a half ago. Uh, and at the very uh, end of my remarks, uh, I had some very, uh, I thought, important and uh, congratulatory things to say about Winston Churchill uh, and uh, the defeat of the Nazi regime in World War II. Uh, I had a large number of students come up to me after my uh, talk and to ask me who Winston Churchill was. Wow. Is that uh, right? They, wow. Yes, they, they, they had not heard his name. Now, this is at uh, a university? Mm-hmm. Yes, this is at a very well-known university. Um, and they were very curious 
why they had uh, why they had not uh, ever heard or known or learned of uh, this rather uh, remarkable Englishman. Uh, and, you know, you'd like to say, well, gosh, that's unusual until and I and I delineate this in toward a more perfect union. I actually delineate uh, what some of the most important and large uh, surveys uh, uh, of, of, of high school students in America have found. Uh, for instance, uh, only one in four could name George Washington as the first president of the United States. One that's in four. One, oh, in four. one in four. Wow, that's stunning. Yeah. Yes. And, and by the way, I could go on and, and I do mean I could go on and on with empirical data overwhelmingly. And you say, how can this possibly be? Well, it can be because the propagandization, the misinformation that has been part of this movement in America really since the late 1960s, but gaining steam in the era of wokeism uh, has now become, I think, overwhelmingly one of our truly measurable uh, national tragedies. You state in this uh, chapter, chapter two, the state of California has declared war on Western civilization and is brainwashing students as young as kindergarten to be its soldiers. And, you know, when you look at public school textbooks and the publishers, the big state that they look toward is California because they're one of the biggest purchasers of textbooks. So what California puts in its education standards and how they want these books to be written oftentimes dictates how the rest of the curricula, the books that yes. are published, affect every other of the 49 states. Matt, you truly have said more than you realize. And I'd like to use just one example, if I may, <clears throat> based on the point that you've made. You know, uh, California students overwhelmingly do not know uh, of one of the most important religious figures in the history of the Western United States, much less California. He's the founder of, of, of California. He's Father Sarah. Um, and the missions up and down uh, the coasts and the areas of this most extraordinary state, this man has been utterly and totally erased. Um, and uh, the, uh, the, the former uh, opinion writer, Barry Weiss, I think she's really an adroit and gifted writer. Uh, and applying this uh, to California, for, for example, what she said, and Matt, the point that you've made, I think is exactly it. She said that the primary mode of this ideological movement, which of course she's writing about cancel culture, is not building or renewing, or reforming, but tearing down. Persuasion, she says, is replaced with punishment. Mercy is replaced with vengeance. Pluralism with conformity. Debate with deplatforming. Facts with feelings. Ideas with identity. I mean, that's exactly it. And you combine all of this uh, malevolent attitude into... Uh, the uh, ability to erase American history and to aim all of it at the next generation of Americans. And you realize that California is but one of 50 uh, states where the problem that we're talking about today 
is absolutely immense. You know, and, and Tim, speaking of a racing history, I see nowadays where they're trying to push the whole racism theme and saying that America's racist and if you're white, you're racist, pushing this down our young people's throats, so to speak. I even see it in my own family with my, my niece who graduated from college not long ago, you know, s- using the whole racist theme. But yet you go back to like Woodrow Wilson, who tried to take a lot of, who did take a lot of the history the contributions of black Americans out of the books. You know, what do we do about this now? You know, I'm so glad that you uh, that you uh, asked this question because uh, race, of course, has bedeviled not only the United States, but, you know, every uh, every great nation, uh, you know, that comprises Western civilization. And, and the question is, do we look uh, as we should uh, objectively in history at the questions of race or tribes or whatever the question is, do we do, we do that in a way uh, that is dispassionate, uh, that is true uh, to the facts, and that puts things in the right and proper historical context, uh, or do we pull down the entire edifice? And unfortunately, uh, the neo-Marxists have chosen the latter. They have decided that the United States of America, uh, you know, is uh, is the, is the evil nation. Uh, they and and their goal is uh, to erase our uh, Constitution, to erase the Declaration of Independence, to erase the generation that was responsible for uh, authoring and giving uh, to, uh, you know this uh, these uh, incredible uh, documents and way of life to us to erase all of that and to start again. Uh, and I think that, uh, and, and I think observably, objectively, this is an incredibly uh, dangerous path. And that's why the subtitle of Toward a More Perfect Union is the moral and cultural case for teaching the great American story. Uh, it's, uh, it's not just a cultural case uh, for our country, but it is a moral case. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, our guest is Tim Gagline, and he has authored this new book, Toward a More Perfect Union, The Moral and Cultural Case for Teaching the Great American Story. We're going to continue our conversation with him talking about original zin. We're going to talk about what that means and how history got changed on faith and freedom in our next edition. You can order A More Perfect Union on Amazon, or there's another website as well, Tim. Give us that website. Yes, it's very simple. It's faithfultext.com, faithfultext.com, faithfultext.com and Amazon. You can easily order toward A More Perfect Union. Thank you for being our guest. You've been listening to Faith and Freedom, brought to you by Liberty Council. We hope that we have motivated you to stand up for your faith, family, and freedom. Visit Liberty Council's website at lc.org.